Hello again, my fabulous listeners, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Glow West podcast. We're here to chat to you all about sex, sexuality, and the body. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Caroline West, and I'm always delighted to be a part of the Tortoise Shack Network, where you can find tons of podcasts on politics, culture, society, trans rights, and of course, me with the sex podcast. If you like what we do, please do consider supporting us at patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack. It does help to keep the mics on. We do appreciate your support. If you want to contact me, you can DM me on Twitter and Instagram at Glow West Podcast. And I'm just going to remind everyone that we have our fabulous International Women's Day panel coming up soon. Um, the 8th of March, come and join us. You can ask your sex questions. That's on a half seven with a fabulous panel of guests. So today I'm talking about something that I think affects way more people than I would like it to. Um, it's something that generally goes across society quite a lot and I have the perfect guest to talk to about that. So today I'm joined by Rukaya, who is an award-winning sex educator, writer and speaker that uses her platform and voice to redefine the future of sex ed and to destigmatize society's unhealthy notions about sexual health, female pleasure, consent and so much more. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you keeping? Thank you for having me. Um, I'm well. I had my lectures this morning, so I had a nap and then I woke up and doing the podcast now. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good kind of day. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, today we're talking about sexual shame and I think that's just, oh, it's so common. It's, it's frustratingly common. I think we've yeah. all been there. I've definitely felt it. And I think it's almost like a process we have to go through sometimes in, in life. But how would you define what sexual shame is? Um, I would say sexual shame is just kind of like making sex, our bodies and our sexualities like taboo. You know, it's something that we don't really speak about. It's something that we feel ashamed of or that we build a stigma around. Mm. And, so, and yeah. I think that there's many roots to that, isn't there? From like a culture, society, parents, religion, media, all that kind of thing. Like, do you find that people come with a mixture of everything of, of all the messages that they've learned yes because I notice especially because um I'm Nigerian so I noticed that within the black community here in the UK especially there is a lot of sexual shame and I think that definitely stems from like culture and the fact that a lot of us are religious so for example like in my country, it's either you're a Muslim or a Christian, or we don't want to hear it. So because of that, it's those kind of things which have an effect on how we view sex, especially how we view women's bodies. And I think it's the same with here in, in Britain, because, you know, this is a Christian country, even though a lot of people probably aren't religious anymore, but that's where it that's where its roots are. So um, I think religion has a lot to do with it. And if you look at, at religions like Christianity, I'm not like, you know, trying to bash them or anything like that, but it is very much centered around men and stuff. So there is a lot of patriarchy. So when it comes to women's bodies, especially and female pleasure, that's something that we lack in terms of um, knowledge. And it's not it's not taught in schools. It's it's crazy how we don't know nothing about the clitoris, but we probably know a bit more about the penis. So stuff like that is what creates that sexual shame. 
Absolutely. Yeah. We didn't get taught about the clitoris in my school anyway. Yeah. And we, we had a, a staunch Catholic background in Irish society until, well, like a lot of people in Ireland would still be quite Catholic now, but it was obviously a lot stronger, more widespread back in the day. But mm. that led to things like Magdalene laundries and women who got locked up for exploring desire or being victims uh-huh. of sexual violence. And like the last wow. one of those closed down the mid 90s, which is very depressing um yeah it, it just yeah that religion like what you said there about patriarchy of yeah there's a lot of religions can be very much uh, taking the position that women are second class citizens or mm. their sexual pleasure isn't important or made kind of an obvious part of it do you think that 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 mixture i suppose of patriarchy toxic masculinity and then general societal pressures like how do we even start making sense of all that and fighting for a place for um female pleasure to just be accepted as a normal thing which it is yeah I think women need to start teaching themselves and it needs to start from young as well um I think sex ed definitely needs to include female pleasure and not only that but even if not like you know in school you're you're older than that you've passed that age I think it's about teaching yourself you know and getting getting into the sex positive kind of like um space especially online on Instagram and stuff like that there's so many sex educators um and they speak about these things a lot and I think that's what will help other women to really um build up their knowledge on this because once you have knowledge on your body it empowers you because you can define pleasure for yourself rather than just kind of go with the flow. And not only that, but yeah, it's just, it's really empowering. So I would suggest that, you know, women start to self-teach. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, but do you think like, what are, what are some of the signs, first of all, if, if someone thinks, oh, you know, maybe I am, what I'm feeling is sexual shame. Like what, how does that actually look like in a person's everyday kind of life? Hmm, I would say, well, for me, it was definitely just not because I have herpes as well. So the sexual shame was a lot more. So it's maybe sometimes even withholding from sex, you know, choosing not to have sex with with anyone or kind of just, you know, just another thing that I used to do when I was having a lot of casual sex is and this was in the very start is I was just kind of going with it I wasn't really I didn't really know what I liked what I didn't what I didn't like I just accepted my partners um you know whatever they found pleasurable I just thought that's what I find pleasurable as well and also not being able to speak to friends certain friends I couldn't speak to them about sex And um, not only that, but just kind of having the feeling that, you know, you're meant to feel pain, you're meant to feel those kind of things when you when you have sex, not understanding that that's not normal, unless obviously you're into kink or anything like that. Other than that, like feeling pain during sex isn't normal. I think those are the ways in which it shows up and people not being able to speak about it. That's the main thing, um, how I think it shows up. And yeah that's what I would say and and like I got that a lot through you know my sex columns people asking oh what about this what about this and it was like 
talk to your partner but people find mm. that really hard it's like the sex part the actual physical part of sex seems easier but the emotional side of things and connecting and communicating and say hey this is what I like and, and let's do it that's really really difficult for so many people yeah it's so difficult because they just they honestly don't know what they like and sometimes it's like maybe for women it's like oh I shouldn't speak up you know I'm supposed to let the man lead and do his thing and I just follow but you're you deserve a right to pleasure as well you know and I always say to um the women that follow me that your pleasure comes first always especially if you are having um if you are having sex with with men your pleasure should come first always I think that I suppose maybe the lack of confidence around um speaking up you know when it comes to things like sex that's always like a lot of people you know who identify as women or socialized to be quiet and to be good or to look good but don't speak up sometimes and that then obviously has an impact then on, on our sex lives and and speaking up and maybe some of the me the media messages that we take in are like oh you have to be sexy but it doesn't teach you how to communicate your desire and to connect with your desire it tells you like you were saying you go along with a partner sometimes and I think quite a lot of us like I've definitely done that as well of going oh this is what sex is it's like just what they like kind of thing so how do we get past that and, and embrace our desire and and name it to ourselves and then be able to communicate that to another person I think we need to start exploring our bodies and I know people might feel like oh that's cliche but how do you even do it well it starts it basically starts with your genitals like I was doing a takeover the other day and it was a young person who was like 17 that asked you know, how do I start getting into masturbation? I said, you need to just first thing, pick up a mirror and actually look at how, how that area looks like. Cause I don't think a lot of young girls even know what their vulva looks like because, um, I don't know, we're just kind of like told, we're kind of taught not to look down there. So I think it starts with that. I think it starts with getting comfortable with your body, getting comfortable with your body naked. Um, so that's something that I've grown to be very comfortable with. I take a lot of pictures. Um, I know exactly what my bother looks like, what it should feel like. Um, not only that, over time, especially with doing a lot of, you know, solo, um, solo sex, masturbation, I've figured out that if I'm going to have sex with someone, they have to they have to give oral sex there's just no way about it I can't be with somebody who will not give oral sex that's like the main thing for me that's a non-negotiable and that's like that's like the basic that's not even anything like major but that's what I mean you have to do it you have to start with yourself first and maybe if you do have a partner who is like open-minded or you know who wants to help you explore then you explore with them as well but that's what it should be. It should be exploration. And I think that's what a lot of, you know, sex positive writers, educators, I think that's what a lot of them are preaching now. Explore yourself, explore your sexuality and don't hold back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Like that's, it's such 
it, it's basic advice, but it's so empowering because it, it, yeah. it's, it's so huge. Because if you think about what we say, oh, your privates down there, like we don't even name that that part of our body sometimes. And even the word vulva, some of us are still new to using that because we might have said vagina before. So you don't you're missing a whole proper anatomy kind of lesson. And it's hard to communicate your desire if you don't know where to point someone to of saying exactly if you don't know your anatomy how the hell are you going to tell somebody else hey this is what you should do and it's the same thing with pleasure if you don't know what makes you feel good how are you going to be able to tell your partner or communicate to them what you like and what you don't like so yeah and I, I like what you said there about okay oral sex is definitely it's like deal breaker then for you that, that that has to be there so how do you get that point to the point of saying you know what this is this is my deal breaker. This has to be part of this. And if someone's refusing to do it for whatever reason, obviously people can say no, like happy days. We're not here about pressurizing anyone into doing something they Mm. don't want. But how do you stand up for yourself and set that boundary of like, no, this, I deserve this kind of pleasure and this is what I want. Um, So I usually find out from the beginning. So like the last person that I um, got involved with, um, I must have been like, oh wait, I'm about to meet this guy, and I haven't even asked him. We yeah, we haven't had that kind of conversation. So I was just like, let me just say it outright. So I was just like, so do you eat out? Do you eat pussy? And then he was like, oh, um, I forgot what he said. His but he said something like, trust me, you don't need to worry about those things. And I was like, yeah. And I also told him as well that I don't mean to, I don't want to kill the mood or anything like that. Cause you know, sometimes when you kind of like ask someone something or like you say, Oh, um, don't think that I'm coming to your house just to sleep with you. Sometimes some people don't have that in their mind. So it kind of like kills the mood. So that's why I had, I let him know that also I'm not trying to kill the mood. I'm just being honest here because this is something that's important to me. Yeah, and he was like, oh, you don't have anything to worry about. So I was like, oh, that's good. Because, like, sometimes you have to ask them outright. Other times um, you have to, maybe in conversation, maybe if it's getting a bit um, flirty and stuff like that, you can kind of figure out as well whether that's something that they do. And another thing as well is I don't like guys who just, like, just, okay, yeah, I, I eat pussy. It's more than that. It's I I like to please you. I like to to put your pleasure first I like to focus more on you like that's that's what I enjoy doing so that's yeah I just usually ask outright if we, if we haven't spoken about it already and I make sure that I do that before we we meet because there's just no point for me if, if we meet and then I find out that you don't even like to give oral sex then we have nothing else to speak about <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And some people like, you know, if it's not their thing, it's not their thing. That's fine. But for those who are just selfish about it, then we definitely don't need to waste our time with those who are like, oh, I'm not going to do that on you. Um, how exactly. do, Like, how do you get so confident in that? Like when you're saying that of going, you know, before you meet up with someone and saying, oh, this is what I'm going to ask them. Like that's that might be terrifying for someone else to to be able to say that and and for fear of being slut shamed or whatever happens to be how do you Mm. get more comfortable with that aspect I think it's because it's when you when you've experienced partners that like are really like for me when I've experienced partners that 
really care about my pleasure like so much it's like they kind of set the standard so it's like you can't expect anything less, especially when you know what you've had sexually with other partners it's like okay I can't have anything less than this if this is what I can get with someone then I can't I can't expect anything else and I think that's what makes that's what kind of like builds up your confidence when you're able to actually meet somebody who gets it and who you know even brings you out of your shell of your sexual shell a bit more as well like it really does it does set the bar so I think that's why I'm so adamant and so yeah I can't be of anyone who doesn't who doesn't meet that bar yeah, and, and it's not a high bar. It's not exactly. something unachievable or uh, exactly. unrealistic. So a lot of sexual shame will really tie into how willing and, and able we are to be vulnerable with another person. And that's where a lot of kind of true intimacy comes from, being able to stand in front of another person saying, hey, this is my body and this is what I like to do. Because we're told that sex is something shameful or dirty or wrong or, you know, something Mm. to be hidden away so to be open about it and and to reject that can be quite hard for for people so how does shame impact that ability to be vulnerable with someone else um I think it's like what we see on for example in porn you know they look perfect all the time perfect angles and stuff like that and even what you see on tv when you see how sex scenes are kind of like portrayed and stuff there's this there's this want there doesn't need to be like performative. Um, performance is very common in sex. Uh, even when it comes to like, for example, when you orgasm and then like you maybe your face like contorts and stuff like that, like things like that, people feel really ashamed of. And I think it's about getting past per- performance. And you know what? I I can't even sit here and say that I'm even like completely past that because sometimes I feel, oh, maybe I am performing a bit here you know like maybe moaning a bit louder than I would if I was by myself but um I think it's just I think you just have to look past the idea that um sex is something I don't know you have to understand that sex is about you it's not because I feel like the reason why we perform a lot is because we want to look good to the other partner we don't want to look bad to them I think people need to get over the the idea that you need to impress your partner. This is about your pleasure here. You need to feel it, like actually be in the moment. And the times that I've truly let go have been the, like, have been the most amazing experiences ever. But that's always been when I've just stopped thinking about what I look like to my partner. And I've just, um, I've just kind of just let myself go in whatever's happening and it sounds like that's a real liberation of things you know of just going oh like I'm just going to get lost in pleasure and that's great so would Mm. you view that as like a political act as well of like reclaiming pleasure it's not just a personal thing it's a political statement about female pleasure it definitely definitely is political um because it's something that has been suppressed for so long. And the sexual liberation movement, you know, it's it's been happening since, what, the 70s? That was when, you know, the wand, the magic wand vibrator first 
um, was being used and stuff and women were really exploring their bodies and stuff like that. Um, and it was an actual like political movement, like you say. And now um, I see it in the sex positive movement. Now, you know, I don't know, women's pleasure and the stuff that we are finding out, especially when it comes to things like the orgasm gap, it really is something that I see a lot of women pushing to close and, you know, just just this push for just for our pleasure to be taken seriously. So, yeah, it definitely is political. And do you think that the, you know, the more what I always say is like the more we have like good sexual wellness in society, the happier society that we will be. And we talk a lot about things like, oh, if, if we educate women, you know, society becomes better in general. But for some reason, we don't seem to say, well, if we give everyone decent sex education, society becomes better in general. Like we kind of miss out the sex part of how to improve society. But do you think that would be the case if, if we all got really good, decent sex education that was proper? properly egalitarian like how would that impact society yeah I feel like if we got um proper sex ed I feel like um it would help society in a sense that there's a lot of um well when it comes to LGBTQ plus rights I feel like people will be able to understand it more um because that's one thing that sex ed needs to be it needs to be more co-inclusive I think people will be able to understand things like gender identity you know and pronouns and stuff like that I feel like I feel like yeah if sex ed was a lot more if it was if it was talked to everybody in an equal way I feel like it would actually progress society forward because sex overlaps so many other things. It overlaps um, sexuality, it overlaps race, it overlaps gender, it overlaps, um, yeah, it overlaps so many different things. So like it definitely help to push society forward. And that's why I find it crazy that people don't, don't really understand that or they don't really see it like how important it is um even when it comes to sexual health and stuff like that like people are still so so clueless about it and they just I don't know there's just this there's so much stigma around STIs and there's so much misconceptions about it and um I just think it would definitely improve society more if people knew um, for example, that HIV is, you know, in terms of medication and stuff like that, it's easy to treat, you know, or the fact that most people have herpes, HPV and stuff like that. I just think we need to get over the, the taboo side of these things. And yeah, that will definitely help. I'm recognizing like how common STIs are like you know if, if we don't have one we know someone who has had them whether they know it or not like it's it's mm. so common it's like you know everyone has caught a cold you know and STIs are essentially the same version for your genitals you know it's just exactly. a, a thing of getting up close and personal to another person and you happen mm. to catch something so and you mentioned earlier that you'd had herpes and I know there can be a lot of shame with, with like 
because that's kind of herpes is like a joke you know sometimes for some people and how do you get to being so open and being able to talk about it when I think there's so many people suffering unnecessarily with, with their diagnosis and feeling like god that's my sex life over and done with now or you know you know the shame aspect so how do we move forward from there I think people need to understand that like it doesn't affect you in terms of like health and stuff like that um it's really really common and I think once people actually understand what herpes does what it is they'll get over that hump once you realize that it's mainly just society that is that society is actually more dangerous than the virus itself that will help you to kind of overcome the stigma when you realize that the problem isn't with you it's with everyone else um and you'll be surprised how many people are really open about these things um and who also don't see the big deal and you know when it comes to new partners as well once you tell them or you discuss it with them they also learn new things that they probably didn't know you know it's the same thing with like even with like HIV for example I used to feel like oh my god like if I ever I couldn't date somebody who has HIV or anything like that but once I learned about the the virus I was like what this is nothing why are people like why are people so why do they act as if it's the 80s things have changed so much you know um so I think that can only come with with knowledge with understanding with learning so that's what that's what helped me to overcome the stigma I think you know hearing stories like yours I think are so important because in places like school you know like the message I got was like you'll get an STI and you'll die and it was just like this fear-based education that those STIs were just these terrible things that like I didn't really understand what they were but I knew it was a, a quote bad thing and that we should be very afraid of it and that carried through like after school for a long time until I actually learned what they really were and I was like okay like they're all treatable like they're, they're all manageable and treatable so it's like you know if it's not a course of antibiotics it, it's medication it's you know a cream or whatever it happens to be so mm. it's just it's really nice to kind of hear you come forward and say these kind of things and like what kind of reactions do you get from people when you come forward and you say this kind of stuff because I can imagine there'd be a lot of people who just feel a bit relieved to hear that yes especially in the beginning when I first started as a sex educator I was speaking about herpes a lot and um because that was when I was that was when I had first kind of like started to overcome it and that was when I first went public with it so a lot of my work was around herpes and I would find that I would be getting messages like almost every day from people who are also um who also have herpes mainly women as well who would message me and be like oh my god like it's such a relief to see another woman speak about these things so openly and you know you've really helped me and stuff like that um and I'm learning a lot there are people who don't have herpes that have that have messaged me and been like wow I've learned a lot from this so yeah the 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 um the response was it was mainly positive I never had anyone say oh my god why are you speaking about these things blah, 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 blah. I never had anything like that it was just mainly thank you like this is something that more people need to be open about so yeah 
I think that what you said there as well for people who don't have it is important because, you know, sometimes they might react to a partner telling them they have an STI and they may have that initial kind of fear approach of like, oh, God, like, what does this mean for me? And if they don't Mm. know about it, they might react in a way that causes harm and upsets somebody else. And maybe they don't mean that, but it's just a lack of our education in, in society also. Exactly, exactly. So. Like I, um, even me, I still struggle with disclosure. I'll be a hundred percent honest. I still struggle with it a lot, um, especially in the past. Especially like I, I've disclosed and I've gotten some negative responses. I remember it was one night out. Then the guy came back to mine, and I was like, "Yeah, so I have herpes." And then he was like, "Wait, what? What?" Oh, and then like his whole demeanor just changed and he was like yeah I'm going like I'm going and I was like oh my god like I was just <laughs> I was so shocked I was surprised then there was like somebody else that I disclosed to and then he was like um he just instantly got really really um paranoid so he was like one of those kind of like because you know the thing with, with disclosure that you have some people who are like yeah sure whatever and you have some people who are like hell no and then you have other people who are like oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, like they're really like phobic about like virus. Am I going to catch it just by touching them or anything like that? And that's what this guy was like. And I was like, I was just, I was just so perplexed. Like, I just, I just couldn't um, see him anymore. And um, I just feel like <sighs> with disclosure, it's really, really difficult. And everyone has their own opinion on, on whether you should disclose or not. Um, I think disclosure does help in starting healthy conversations around uh, STIs and stuff like that. And it does help to beat the stigma. At the same time, I know some people will be like, well, why do I have to take on the burden of, of, you know, fighting the stigma in my everyday life? So yeah, it's a really, it's a really slippery slope. And that's actually why I don't even really speak about disclosure much when I was, when I was talking about herpes a lot, I, I wouldn't really speak about disclosure because I felt like it's something that is really difficult to navigate and it's not as easy as people, um, as other HSV um, advocates say it is. Like, you know, they say things like, oh, put it on your dating profile and stuff like that. And I just think, oh, <laughs> why would I want to put that I have herpes on my dating profile? So so yeah, I'm just uh, different comfort it's a, it's levels. It's a really difficult area. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a really great area. And some people are absolutely fine with that, and they'll be like, "Yeah, that's straight up in the profile, not a bother." And others are like, "No, but I just want to know how to be empowered in my own world," kind of thing. They don't feel that need to broadcast it so much. So yeah, different. Exactly, strokes. and that's that's another. That's even with um disclosing publicly. I always tell people, just because you see other people disclose publicly, you don't have to disclose publicly it's about dealing with it in your own kind of personal way um and so yeah I would just say start talking to your your partner or future partner like just follow I would also say follow her HSV um sex educators as well there's quite a few of them on Instagram and they go into uh disclosure and overcoming it in terms of like dating casual sex stuff like that they go into it more depth in more in depth 
Okay, brilliant. Yeah, and it's great to see those resources out there. That's fantastic. I, I want to touch on things like fetishes and kinks as well, because some people might think, oh, God, I'm not normal or um, maybe someone's going to judge me if I disclose to them that I like doing X, Y, Z, whatever happens to be these mm. about billion kinks and fetishes out there in the world and they make sense to some people and maybe not to others but none of that matters once you're getting mm. off without harming anyone then that's okay <laughs> so how do you get rid of the shame when it comes to something like a kink or a fetish because you know that's technically abnormal viewed by a lot of society but we know it's not because there's no harm in it you know so and it's ridiculously common also Mm, I think you know what because I'm a very open-minded person and somebody could tell me the craziest craziest story ever I'll just be like oh, okay that's what you like but there's other people who are really 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 conservative and who will judge really really harshly like I've seen some people say some things I think it was about vomit or something like that, and they were like they were like oh my god how did you do that and I was thinking to myself oh, you haven't seen nothing yet. If you think that's bad, you really don't know what, what people are into. So I think what you need to do to get over that shame is you need to kind of get involved in the kink community around you. So I don't, one thing that, one thing that you can do to start, obviously, because we're in a pandemic or whatever, so you can't really find, but after the pandemic is done, I think it's about going to parties and going to like maybe the more public ones. So like um, Torture Garden, Killing Kittens, you know, the really like uh, mainstream places. And that's how you can begin to meet other people who might be into the same stuff as you. Also, Twitter is a great place. I can't stress this enough. Like I found the Black kink community through Twitter in London. I did not know that there were so many like there were meetups, there were parties happening, like underground parties, um, people meeting up from Twitter and stuff like that. Um, and once I saw, once I went on Twitter and I saw all of these, because another thing is that in the Black community, it's like there's a lot of stigma around Black men kind of, you know, venturing into these things. It's kind of like in the Black community, just like, oh, you're you're gay blah, blah blah if you like pegging and stuff but when I went on Twitter and I saw all of these black men who were like who were down low you know exploring their sexualities like very low key who were into like pegging and like you know um femdom and stuff like that I was that's when I realized there is really no shame in this so I think the key thing is to find other like-minded people like yourself but yeah, it's the same thing as if you're like into a certain kind of like fashion or dressing and you're. You're frozen again on me. No. Hello. Okay. Okay. You're there. Hello. No, that. <laughs> Oh my God. Um, oh, is, we're nearly there anyway. We'll cut it off in a little bit because I think the internet is just going to play up now for some reason. Um, but no, I might get you to just to repeat that bit again there when you were saying, oh, it's like being involved in fashion or oh, whatever. Okay, yeah. Bit. yeah, like it's like 
when you're into a certain kind of fashion or like subculture right like I don't know like kawaii fashion or something like that and everyone you're from a small town and everyone in your town doesn't dress like that so they kind of see you as weird and then you meet other people who are just like you who are just into the same things as you who dress like you it keeps you grounded and it makes you realize I'm actually not a weird person there are other people who like this stuff it's just everyone else the problem once again isn't with you it's with everyone else you just need to find people who are very much like you and there's a lot out there like worldwide there is kink events and or for like whatever your kink is like there is a community of people who are into it and thanks to the internet we can find this so if you're into some super niche thing you can guarantee you are far from somebody else who's just into it for real (laughs) absolutely i I love the internet for things like that when you're just like yeah no like this this super like niche odd thing and they're just like no you're not alone there's a whole community (laughs) just there waiting (laughs) to chat to you about whatever whatever it is so um, that's a fab thing um I just want to kind of just finish up maybe just with a little look about how maybe you know and we discussed this on on a couple of episodes ago about the myths of like oh you being frigid and and not like you know which is such an awful word I hate it but like you know know, frigid oh like it just I want to throw that word in the bin but the Mm. idea that we might medicalize people of like saying you know oh you can't have an orgasm okay there must be something medically wrong or you know maybe it's an actual condition or something and obviously that does exist for some people but I think maybe the fact that we've shamed people into into beyond when it comes to their body and their sexuality maybe they might feel like maybe there is something you know physically wrong with my body or mentally wrong with my mind that I just can't get there and and what advice do you have for people in that situation because it's not necessarily a, a medical thing at all yeah sometimes it really is a mental block or sometimes it's because um maybe it's the kind of partners that you've been with so maybe I think it really is about starting with yourself I think buy a sex toy buy um buy a sex toy to start with um and just kind of just kind of see, just kind of explore, you know, your, um, I'm going to say genitals, I don't know if, if this is just women and men, but um, just kind of like explore your genitals and just try and find out how you can orgasm. Um, you know, go online, go, there's so many videos out there as well where people talk about different ways to like bring yourself to like climax and stuff like that um and also stop focusing so much on orgasms because it's not always about orgasm it's more about the pleasure like you know I've had partners for example I have one partner that he's like oh I didn't I didn't make you come I didn't make you come and I was like yeah but I enjoyed it it felt good and that's all that really mattered it felt pleasurable to me it's not really necessarily about bringing me to climax that's not that shouldn't be like the end goal all the time orgasms are great it's a in fact it's one of the best ways that you can experience pleasure but it's not the be all and end all when it comes to pleasure and I think that people need to bear that in mind and once you kind of um put that in your mind I think it will alleviate some of the pressure as well and um I was gonna say maybe drink a bit of alcohol at first when I thought no because I find that a lot of people as well with alcohol 
is that there are a lot of people who can only have sex when they're a bit tipsy as well because it kind of like releases the nerves or there's certain couples that have never had sex over so yeah, that's a, yeah, don't that's do a that bigger, <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a bigger issue. Um, we looked at that with um the Sober Sex podcast at the start of January. But yeah, if people are afraid of, of communicating or something like that, a lot of people turn to some kind of substance for a little bit of courage. But yeah, that... that, that and that's what I used yeah. to do when... um, Well, it wasn't, it wasn't like every single time I had sex with somebody, but usually the first time that we would meet... I would have like a glass or two of wine just to loosen myself up. And then afterwards I would be like, no, I have to have sex with this person. So well, because how it was when we were tipsy, is it going to be the same when we're sober? So, um, but usually like during the first time meeting someone, it can help, but you just have to be careful not to fall into the um, side of where you have to be tipsy every single time you have sex yeah absolutely and then that's where we you know we're not maybe freeing ourselves of shame really if, if we need a substance all the time to engage in, exactly. in sex so it's not so good that way so yeah okay so you're just your, your final tip for um anyone who's like recognizing that okay maybe this is what I've been experiencing and they want to start I know we mentioned you know getting up close and personal with your own genitals and getting mm. your body there have you a final tip for any kind of confidence boosters around reminding people that yeah actually you you do deserve sexual pleasure and that is not a bad thing Hmm, I would say hmm, it's really I would say okay find a sex educator that you connect with the most and just kind of see how they um speak about sex and how they speak about their pleasure and stuff like that and also find a friendship group as well that is sexually liberated because before I used to have like a friendship group who they when it came to sex they didn't like to talk about those things or there was even a lot of slut shaming going on but then I became friends with a group of women who were just really like blasé did not care we'd be messaging each other when we're in the clinic like oh my god I had sex last night I need to go and get tested today stuff like that we used to do when we were younger but it really was a confidence boost because I was surrounded myself with women who pretty much fought like me and who also were sexually liberated and didn't care so it just you know when you surround yourself with those kind of people you just you don't give a fuck what other people think and that's the way we should be. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. other people's opinions and stuff don't matter when it comes to your personal fun. Life is too short <laughs> to worry yeah. about that kind of thing. So fabulous. Um, Ruka Hyatt, where can people find you if they want to stay in touch? And you're all over social media. You're great at social media. So I'm oh, sure you. you can start there. Um, so you can find me on Instagram at I am Rukaya and um, on YouTube you can just search Rakaya as well and you will find me there and I'll be doing a lot more videos on YouTube this year so look out for that 
Fair play, <laughs> fair play. Brilliant. And thanks, Emil, to all the listeners as well. I definitely encourage you to go check out um, this kind of content because it is, it's like you're saying, it's nice to have someone who's just openly talking about this. So that makes exactly. a world of difference. And somebody who you relate to as well. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, brilliant. Listen, thanks, Emil, to uh, all my listeners for tuning in today. Hopefully, you know, you can take away some of those tips and put them into your own sex lives. That would be great. Um, don't forget on the 8th of March, we're going to have our International Women's Day panel full of tons of cool sex educators all ready to answer your questions about sex. So you can DM me those questions on Twitter, on Instagram at Glow West Podcast. And like I said, at the top of the hour, if you really want to support us, please do pop over to Apple, rate and review. We're over on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash tortoise you can follow on spotify you can basically find us wherever you get your podcast so that's fine and i look forward to chatting to you next time bye